Well, good morning. You're very welcome here today. I'm hoping that, have I got nearly everyone? Are they still dropping off in kids? Are they still chatting in the coffee room? Just so sociable. It's hard to tell off your church when they're doing, being relational, isn't it? It's hard to say, come on, like we're into the business now. Stop being so friendly. Stop being so nice. Yeah, look, I've just seen people walking into the tea and coffee place, so I'm going to start. They'll just have to miss out, won't they? Good morning, Real Life Church. You're very welcome here today. If we have not met, I'll give you a quick introduction to me. So I am Melanie, I am Stuart's wife, and I am a mummy too, to Levi and Ash. And we moved here um, eight years ago to start this beautiful church, and I split my time between um, looking after the young at real life, so I look after the under-18s, and I also look after what it means for us to be good to our community. So what we do to kind of get out there and share who we are, what we're about, therefore who God is and what he's about. Um, And I also keep a home, feed my kids, scream at how dirty my house gets. You know, I do all those normal things as well, cry a bit when I think, oh no, on my off time, I'm cleaning the house. You know, I, I do all those normal things as well. If you've been around me a little bit, you'll know that I um, like a little bit of fat face, um, unashamedly. I love a good fat face sale. Um, I love, oh, I just love all their stuff. I could literally walk in and buy nearly everything I see. And um, since the boys were little, I have been training them in the things that I like. So if you say to my boys, what does your mummy like? They say, oh, she likes fat face jewellery, bubble bath, candles and chocolate. So, you know, they can just kind of trot it out. I I want to think that when they're teenagers and they've got their own money and they're not requiring daddy, that they're going to walk out and go, I know what mummy likes. I am training them. And also, hopefully, one day they will be husbands and they'll be all geared up and ready to find out the four things that their wife really likes and they'll have a list and they'll be very purposeful. So on Mother's Day, Christmas, birthdays, they generally go and choose me some kind of jewellery from Fat Face B or whatever it is. So this was my first one from Levi um, and he liked it because it had buttons on it. So it's got a whole string of buttons and he, he picked it because it had buttons in it. This one was last Christmas and I must admit when I saw it I was like oh I don't know if it's me but I absolutely love it and I've worn it loads and loads. And then this one was last Mother's Day and they chose it because it's got little heart beads on and they love me. That's what they said. Oh my gosh you want to box that up for when they're being an absolute nightmare. You want to be able to remember that when they're like coming home from school and they're like I don't know what. So um they're very good. This year, um, they, I said I would like something with a star on because God had been speaking to me about stars. And so Fatface have got this lovely little number. Well, Levi was not happy with that. He was like, basically, I don't want you to tell me what you want for Mother's Day. So Asher chose this. And Levi said, no, no. So Levi chose me this, which is a little chick tin. And it came with instructions. So inside the chick tin is chocolate eggs that I am to share with Levi and Asher. Do you like that? 
Brilliant. So um, it's making me smile so much, my little chick tin. But I love things like that because they hang around my neck and they remind me. So they remind me that I'm loved. They remind me that I'm a part of something. They just remind me of things. And I love things that act as a reminder. One of the reasons we asked Hayley to make the the key rings um, with the stars on is we wanted you to have a physical reminder when you're out and about in your daily life and you're grabbing your door keys or you're grabbing your car keys of today's message. We wanted to remind you that we're supposed to have descendants that number more than all the stars in the sky. And we want to remind you of that when you're in your everyday, ordinary, normal lives, when you're going about your business, when you're going about whatever it is you do with your everyday lives. We wanted to remind you that you are supposed to have descendants that number more than all the stars in the sky. So if you've brought a Bible with you, I'm going to turn to it if it's on your phone. If not, I'm going to read it to you. So don't worry if you didn't. Um, I'm going to read it out to you. I read from the New Living Translation, the NLT, so it might look a little different to yours. Or if, like me, you like the NLT, it'll look just like yours. So I'm going to read a few verses. So I'm going to read Genesis 15, verse 5. And it says this, Then the Lord took Abraham outside and he said to him, Look up to the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have Now, this is a race now. See if you can beat me. Psalm 147, verse 4. So I just read from Genesis 15, verse 5. Now we're reading from Psalm 147, verse 4. He counts the stars and calls them all by name. And then I'm going to go to Isaiah 40, verse 26. Isaiah 40, 26. It says this, Look up into the heavens who created all the stars. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. I'm going to read you through all of those. I want you to hear them together, okay? So then the Lord took Abraham outside and he said to him, Look up to the sky and count the stars if if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. He counts the stars and calls them all by name. Look up into the heaven who created all the stars. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not one is missing. I want to share a few things to you this morning out of these verses that I felt God speak to me about. I want to say some things that are just for the women in the room. So when I'm, when I'm speaking to you, I'm going to say real life women, and you'll know that actually this is something something I just feel is on God's heart for you. And I want to say some things that are for all of us. So we can hear things in in the context of stories that are about men or about women that we can apply to all of us and all of our lives. I'm going to refer a lot to Abraham, which you might think is weird on a Mother's Day, but actually all the men in the Bible and all the women in the Bible have things to teach and train us in. The whole Bible is useful whether you're male or female, whether the story is about a man or about a woman. As a little sidebar, because I'm going to refer to Abraham a couple of times, I'm going to do a quick whiz through his story, just in case you don't know his story or you've never heard of him or you're sitting there thinking, why does she keep talking about Abraham? So Abraham was born Abraham, and God has a habit in the Bible of taking someone and changing their name, like and saying, This is what I call you now. So he was Abraham. 
born Abraham. God called him at 75 years old. So if you're 75 years old and older in this room, don't assume that you're done. Don't assume that God has got nothing left for you. Assume that because he calls whomever he wants, wherever he wants, whenever he wants, he's still got stuff left for you. And he told him to move to the land of Cana. He promised him descendants more than all the stars in the sky. His wife is Sarah, and she was born Sarai. When Abraham was 99 and Sarah was 89, God told them in a year they would have a son. Sarah laughed. We would, wouldn't you? Let's be honest. So, and a year later, she gave birth to a son who the Lord told her to name Isaac, which means laughter. Isaac is the father of Jacob, and Jacob is the father of the 12 sons who are the 12 tribes of Israel. All right, so that's taken us all the way up to the tribe. The tribe of Judah eventually has Jesus in the family line. And then, because of Jesus' death on the cross, you and I are adopted into that family line too. So we are sons and daughters of Abraham, and we are heirs to the promise of descendants that will number more than all the stars in the sky. So when you read God saying that up to Abraham and giving him that promise, he's saying this is for your family line. And then in the family line comes the 12 tribes. One of the tribes is Judah, comes Jesus. And then because we are born again, we are adopted into that family, heirs to those promises. So when you read Genesis, when you read the Old Testament, we're the heirs to the promise because of Jesus. So we're grafted into that family. So I want to tell us this morning to look up. I want to remind us that he counts the stars. I want to talk about descendants and then I want to talk about you. So first of all, look up. And you'll find this throughout scripture, just this encouragement to look up to the heavens, look up to the skies, look up, because basically it's better to look up than to look down. And I think the question we need to be asking is, who are we looking at? And if you read through those, those three verses that I read out, he's called the Lord. He's actually called the Lord of Lords. He's called the Lord. He speaks And that is something we should all remember about God, is that he's a speaking God. And he speaks in the Bible, but he also speaks into our lives and into our hearts. He makes promises that are never dependent on us. He makes promises that only he can keep. He created all the stars. Everything you see around you, he created. Everything that is created, he created. So he created all the stars. He counts I'm going to come back to that later on. He knows. He knows by name and he knows the number. So he knows everything about us and everything that exists. He knows us personally, but he knows us as a number too. He knows us as part of what he counts. He brings everything out which means that everything that comes out of us and is brought out of us or everything that's come into being is from him. Everything. He has great power and incomparable strength. And we do well to remember that when we read our Bibles. He has great power and incomparable strength. We do well to remember that every day in our lives, that he has great power and incomparable strength. The Bible says that in heaven stands a resurrected saviour who is mighty to save. 
He is seated at the right-hand side of the Father, and the Spirit is at work on the earth until the end comes, bringing more and more people to stand before the Father, to stand before the throne. He knows no limits, and he knows no bounds. All heaven knows this, and all heaven applauds this, but we forget this. We forget this in our everyday life. We forget this when we're facing challenges. We forget this when we're looking at circumstances, when we're looking at ourselves. We forget that all heaven applauds this Savior who is mighty to save. You should remind yourself daily that you were not too far out of God's reach. That when you were dead, when you were lost, when you were broken, when you were at your very worst, God reached out to you and God saved you. Therefore, he can save anyone. So if he has reached into your life and if he has reached into your darkness, into your mess, into your death and he has brought you to life, he can do that with anyone. And I try to remind myself daily that because God has saved me, because he took me when I was dead, when I was far away, when I was pursuing everything other than him That means he can take anyone. That means he can call anyone into his presence and into his great love. Have you forgotten this? Are you sitting there this morning and thinking, I have not remembered how powerful he is? Are you looking down at yourself? Are you spending too much time preoccupied with your limitations, your gifting, your calling, your lack, your measure? Are you looking at yourself instead of looking at him? I know how you know you're looking at yourself and I know how you can test it. It's whether or not you will dare to try the impossible. People who try the impossible believe that there is a God out there who's going to meet them in it. If your life is safe, if your life is is restricted, if your life is, is feeling limited, it's probably that you are not looking at the right person. You are looking at yourself and you are limiting him by your limitations rather than looking at him and expecting him to do amazing things. His promises don't rest on us. Praise God, hey? Because some of the things he said over my life, I think, man, if that is all down to me, we're in so much trouble. Because on my good days, you know, I'm, I'm pretty awesome. On my bad days, I am not so nice. And so if it's resting on me, if the promises of God are dependent on me, they will be very much dependent on what mood I wake up in the morning, what point of the month it is, whether or not my kids are behaving like angels or something else. It will very much depend on my circumstances. If the promises of God rest in him, they depend on him. They depend on who he is and what he's like. So why look up? It's really simple. If you look up, you see him in every circumstance, in every situation, whether you are groveling on the ground right now and you feel like you're in the pit, if you look up, you will see him. Whether you're succeeding in life and you're thinking, actually, life's really good, if you look up, he will remind you where you came from and he will tell you what is to come 
See, dreams and promises in God should never be able to be fulfilled by us. If you can fulfill the promises and dreams over your life, I would suggest they are not promises or dreams. I would say they are reasonable goals. They are measurable goals. I would say they are not dreams and they are not promises. The promises and dreams of God can only be fulfilled if God does something incredible. So how do we do this? We read our Bibles. And I know this year we are going to bang on about that week in, week out, week in, week out. We know full well if we have a people who read the word, we will change the world around us. If we have a people who read their word and believe it to be true, we will transform this nation and the nations of the world. If we believe what God says, everything changes So we read our word, and we read our word because actually it's our food and it's our reminder that this is all about God. We pick a point in our day where we remember this is not about me, this is about him. We worship, and we worship as if no one else is around, and we do it in a way that works for us. So I am, I love to dance. Quite honestly, I sometimes miss going out clubbing, and I don't miss it for the culture. I love to dance. I I just love it. I am rubbish at it. Like, organised dancing, I basically needed to sit out of. I I don't understand, go left, go right, do this, do that. I just don't get that. I also don't like being told what to do. So it's like a terrible combination for me. Freestyle, rave, do whatever you like. Oh, my gosh, I love it. And so I'm, I'm expressive. And I will whoop a bit and dance around a bit because that's what I'm like. And I will do that in a room like this as if none of you are here. Because quite frankly, when I'm worshipping Jesus, none of you are here. Every so often I have a reminder from one of my children that there are other people here. But I, I, like, I want to worship him. When I come into this space, that's what I'm coming here for. If I leave here having had a good chat and a nice biscuit, I may as well have gone to Costa. I want to meet with the living God. I want to worship him. I want to love him. I most of all want to lift my eyes so that when I get back out there, I'm going out there full of him. So we worship, and I would worship in life group, worship in my car, worship at home. I buy, we buy new worship CDs all the time because I just want to get decent music around my kids in my house in my car I want to be humming it as I walk around so I will follow you into the dark 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 you know so that when I'm in my everyday life and it feels a little bit dark I'm like actually you're my true north like that's who you are I want to be reminded of that everywhere I go so I will sing it I will have it on in the car I'll have it on all around us so that there's noise some of you don't like noise and noise Some of you want it quieter. Some of you want places to reflect. Your car, there's no music going on and it's quiet and it's hushed. Your worship is quiet and hushed because that's how you meet with God and connect with him. And so you might take yourself off into a quiet space and and huddle in the corner and just think, I I just want it calm. I just want it. It really doesn't matter. What matters is that you look up and you see him. However you do that, you do it. And you do it as if no one else is around. I think I look crazy in my car because I think I'm like singing, I'm heads bobbing and sometimes I'm banging the steering wheel, I pretend that I play the drums um, and, and, I'm, and I just, because I just enjoy that kind of relationship with God. It helps me in my everyday life to just focus in on him. I would say get truth up around your house. 
it's one of the ways you can look up is to have it printed somewhere, written somewhere, painted on beautiful bits of wood. Just have it around you so that you're constantly knocking into things that when it's life feels difficult and life feels hard, you walk out and it, it hits you and you see something that says God is love or God runs around this house with love, or his love never fails, or you just see reminders of his truth. It's how we look up. It's what the Jewish people were brilliant at, just having reminders on their heads in the clothes they wore, places that they went to, reminding them of the things that God has done. We need to do those things. We need to remind ourselves proactively of what God is like and what he's done. We do it daily, And I know that that makes some of you flinch a bit, but we do it daily. And we don't do it daily because we're being all religious and we're like, you've got to read your Bible every day. We do it daily because daily we need to look up. We do it daily because every day we need to be reminded who who he is, who we are and what he's about. We need to get our heads straight. And some of you are in the darkness and in the pit because daily you're not making those choices to connect with him and look at him. And so you are kind of in a pit that you've dug for yourself and you're sitting there in it. When more often than not, God wants us to do the thing that feels like the last thing we want to do and pick up our word or put on that worship CD or pray with someone or God just wants us to do that because it's then when we look up and we don't see the pit as much we see him and we know that he's in the pit and we know that he's with us and we know that he's able and so for some of you it is literally you've got to choose to get rid of something else from your life and get this in and it's got to we yeah I sometimes make decisions late at night to read a bit more of a girly chick lit that I'm reading rather than get my Bible out and I and I start reading and I think man as as fluffy and as lovely and as nice this story is I know the thing that's going to do me the most good and it's not actually the thing I most want to do right now I do want to get lost in a little bit of mushy chiclet but I know it's the thing that's going to cause me to flick my head up and it's going to cause me to function better tomorrow because I'm going to be aware of who he is, who I am, and what he has called me to. So look up, all of you, women of God. I know that your lives sometimes are spent juggling 25,000 things all in a morning. I know that because I'm one of those people. But if you don't look up, you will literally wear yourselves out. You will forget what this is all really about and what it's all really for if you don't look up. You will think, my gosh, my life is basically this rather than this. You'll go to work, you'll go to the playground, you'll try to be a mummy, you'll try to be a wife, you'll try to be a friend, and you will do it out of an exhausted place. So what you will give away is the scraps of your life. If you look up and you eat from him, you will give away stuff that is awesome and really good for the people around you. And I know in my own life, I have to drop something in order to do that. It's not a case of finding the time. I have to say, I'm not doing that. I will not watch that episode. I will not clean my bathrooms. I will not, yes, I will not um, cook that cordon bleu meal. We will be having ready, steady cook. And I will instead 
read this because I know this will benefit my family, benefit my friends, benefit me more than anything else on earth. Secondly, he counts the stars. We can't count the stars. So I googled this. Astronomers estimate that the observable observable universe has more than 100 billion galaxies and our own Milky Way, I love that it's called that, is home to 300 billion stars approximately. So no one can count the stars. When God asks Abraham to look up and count the stars, he isn't expecting Abraham to start going one, two, three, four. No one can count the stars. When God asks that of Abraham, he's saying, look up and count the stars. And he's expecting Abraham to really quickly go, I can't. There's too many of them. It's too vast. It's too much. He knows. See, God knows Abraham is limited. He knows even thousands of years later with all our modern tech and all our breakthrough that we still can't count the stars. He knows that that's impossible for man. He knows the task is too big. He's trying to say to Abraham, what I'm promising you is massive, impossible for you to get your head around, impossible for you to count. Therefore, you have to believe me. He counts and he calls by name. I love those where he calls the stars out by name and where he numbers them or where he knows who's in his army. He marches them out and because he marches them out, not a single one is missing. So who counts the stars? He counts the stars. He knows every single one and where its place is and what its name is and where it should be in the night sky. How does he know that? Because he created all of it. Because he held it in his hands, because it was in his being, and then he gave birth to it all. Out of him came everything that exists. He counts the stars. His expectation is not that we would count the stars, but that we would marvel at a God who does count the stars. His expectation is that Abraham would look up and go, this is too much, and God would say, yes. Let's do it together. His expectation is that Abraham would understand something about God's nature, to know them all by name and to count them all out and to make sure no one's missing. Do you know on the last day when God closes up the earth, when God says we're all done now and we're having a new heaven and a new earth, not a single person will be missing on that day. Not a single person that you love or belongs to you, or is a part of you, if God has called them and God has chosen them, will be missing on that day. What that should do for us is give us great confidence when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about the gospel, when we share what God is like, because no one will be missing on that day. It's not dependent on whether I tell my testimony really well, or on whether I preach the gospel really well or it's dependent on who he's called and who he's chosen so I will preach the gospel sometimes well and sometimes mediocre I will tell my story and sometimes I'll get it bang on and I feel so proud of myself and other times I will fumble it and go home and think oh my gosh what were you talking about do you ever get that when you're talking about Jesus and you just think there are words coming but I have no idea and it's not that I'm being prophetic I literally don't know what I'm saying and and I get home and I rehash it and think I should have said this I should have said this I should have said that anyone else do that 
beat yourself up and think, man, I missed an opportunity there. Now they're probably going to hell. It doesn't work like that. He counts them by name, and because he counts them, not one is missing. On that day, everyone who is supposed to be there will be there. Whether you've done a good job on the earth or you've totally fluffed it, he will bring them, and not one will be missing. He's the greatest shepherd. He will go in search of the one. He's absolutely incredible, and he will make sure no one's missing. He will make use of us because he is a brilliant dad and he loves to include us, involve us, make us a part of it. He also knows that most people come through relationship, so he is clever too. But he is not dependent on you and you don't need to worry that your people will be missing. If God has chosen them and God has called them, they will be there. I want to give just a little sidebar because we have started tracking things on church app or church suite. We have started tracking attendance and numbers. I want to give a little sidebar. For some of you, you hate that. You hate that we count. You hate that, we, we, that, that you've become a number. What I want to remind you is that because God counts, we're going to count. Because he knows not one is missing, we're also going to make sure none of our people are missing. So we want to know on Sundays if you're not turning up because something's wrong. We want to look at things and say, oh my goodness, so-and-so's not been here for four weeks. Are they okay? We don't want to track you because we want to make sure everyone's sitting in the seats and you're all paying your offerings and we're making sure that we're covered We want to track you because we care about you. We want to make sure we know where you are so that we can best look after you. One of the easiest ways that people tell you they're not happy is they stop coming to your stuff. So if someone's not coming to your life group, either their life is crazy and work is crazy or they're communicating something to you. They're saying, I don't want to be there. And they're not saying it loudly because they're, you know, we're all quite British and we don't want to be rude about it. So we'll just quietly stop coming we'll quietly communicate that we don't want to be there and it happens on Sundays as well and so we track our kids we track our grown-ups we want to make sure that our people are okay firstly because God likes to make sure we're okay and secondly it's because he's asked us to do this when I go out we always go out together and I say I'm having that boy And Stuart says I'm having that boy when we get home we make sure we've both got a boy and hopefully our boy like, it is why we won't ever have three kids, because I don't know what you go out with three kids. Like, you must just have to go, I'll have that one, that one, and that one's fine. Um, and so, we're like, that's what we do. When I go out with the two of them, I'm like, got two. And every, I'm like, got two. We were in McDonald's yesterday. Yes, I do feed my kids in McDonald's, because I really, you know, think it's amazing. And um, we were in McDonald's, and um, the boys are playing on, on the little iPad things. They know we sit in colour, we eat, we enjoy a little bit of, you know, time talking to each other, and then they can have a little go on the little iPad things. I Personally, I hate that they're there, but they're there. So they have a little play on that. They're sitting a little bit out of my eye line. So all I do is just lean over, yep. Still two children. Yep, still my children. Every so often I wander over and go, you all right there, boys? I want to count them and track them. It's no good for me to come home and say to Stu, well, I've come home with one. Not sure where the other one is, but it's okay, though, because we're not counting them. Like, they don't really matter to us that much, do they? So 
we count because we care. And we're going to count because we care. And you will need to count in life groups. And you'll need to look at, are our people here? Because God counts and God cares. And so that's what we're going to do. That's my little sidebar. I'm coming back. Number three, descendants. The, the passage with Abraham promises descendants. And I want to make a few notes about descendants, especially if you are sitting there thinking, well, I don't have any kids, so that can't apply to me. I just want to tell you how wrong you are. Is that all right this morning? Isn't it a treat to listen to me? Yeah, okay, good. Descendants are people who are related to you and live on after you. That's what the dictionary says. When I say the dictionary, I don't mean a book, I mean on Google. The Google dictionary says descendants are related to you and live on after you. And they come in all shapes and sizes, but promised descendants have one thing in common. They're from Jesus, not man. They're from Jesus. Descendants that God promises us are from him, not man. They are spiritually born into a family. And so I just, I just want to say a couple of things, and they live on after you, really. I want you to start thinking like that. So when the Bible talks about descendants, it is talking about physical kids, without a shadow of a doubt, but it is also talking about spiritual family. It's talking about descendants that live on with something of Jesus in them beyond you. So they live on and they carry a heart for God, a heart for the gospel beyond you. They carry a heart for the nations. They carry a heart for the poor. They carry, they carry something of your DNA and your kind of stuff in God. They carry something of it on from you. And you're supposed to look around and you are supposed to see descendants. You're supposed to see men and women who are going on beyond you. You're supposed to look around and see men and women who carry something of your heart and are going on beyond you, are doing things beyond you. We're supposed to see that all the time because the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. It's never supposed to die. It's supposed to grow until the end comes and then Jesus is going to gather everyone up into himself. So you should be asking the questions, where are my descendants? Who are they? What do they look like? What's their names? You should be able to count them and go, they're there, they're there, they're there, they're there, they're there. And they might not number more than all the stars in the sky, but I bet if we collectively as churches put all our descendants together, they might. They're supposed to number more than all the stars in the sky. There's supposed to be billions of descendants coming out of the people of God. We're supposed to see Alpha courses, people saved on Sunday morning, baptisms where they're just racked up, ready to go and say, I love Jesus, I'm following him. Just as a cheeky little note, we've got a baptism on Easter Sunday. So if you're not baptized in water, get baptized in water. Make a decision to say, I'm following him, I'm going after him, and I'm going public on this. It's not just something I'm going to believe in my heart and do privately at home. I'm going to let the world know, or just the people here know, that I'm following Jesus. We're supposed to see descendants, and descendants look different. Some of them are in your life group, and they're around you, and they're learning, and they're growing, and they've, been, they've made commitments to Jesus, and they're, you're helping them read their Bibles, and you're just doing life. And you wouldn't necessarily look at them and think, they're my kids, but if they're younger than you, and they're going to live on after you, so younger than you in your faith, 
and they're going to live on after you, they're descendants. That's what they look like. If you're involved in our kids' work, our youth work, you are, basically, you are getting descendants. You're investing in young men, young women who are going to carry something of the purposes of God forward beyond you. We should all have descendants and we should all be questioning, where are they? Who are they? We should not read a verse like that and say, well, I'm not married or I don't have kids. We should say, Jesus, who are my descendants? Where are they? Who are the people who I'm inputting into and are living with the things of God beyond me? And if you can't count any, don't you worry because God has promised you them. So they will be there. You need to find them. You need to partner up with God. You need to put yourself in a position where you can find them. You need to help on Alpha. You need to lead a life group. You need to get involved in kids and youth work. You need to put yourselves out there and find your descendants because God has said they are there. Then lastly, you. And when I say you, I mean real life women, okay? I, I, want, I want to just bring something just for you. So he speaks this promise in the beginning to Abraham, and I, and I love the promise, I think it's amazing. You know full well when he speaks the promise to Abraham that he cannot do it without her. He cannot do it without her Sarah, his Sarah. He can't do it without standing next to, well he has to do more than stand next to a woman, but he can't do it without standing next to a woman. He can't do it without her. And in actual fact, I know this might sound like heresy, God can't either. So descendants come about because men and women stand next to each other. They come about because we partner up next to each other. They come about because we're in team, because we're in family, because we're in community together. They don't come about in isolation Descendants come about because we're a family. They come about because this is what God does in family. You're needed, real life women, and some of you just don't believe that. Some of you, even today, are just feeling really useless. Just feeling like, I don't even know what I contribute. I don't even know what I bring. Some of you are feeling disqualified and just thinking, sometimes all I can do is just be here and sit. Some of you are feeling like your backstory disqualifies you. Some of you are just feeling like you haven't seen where I've been in the last few weeks, months. Some of you are just sitting there thinking, I don't even know if they would notice if I just disappeared. And what I want to say to you this morning, Real Life Women, is you're needed. You're needed in this place and you're wanted in this place and you have a part to play in this place. And not because you're better than the men in this room, but because you're supposed to stand next to them. And together we are supposed to see descendants that number more than all the stars in the sky. We're supposed to make use of each other, recognize our gifting in one another. Do you know what one of the most powerful things a woman can do is they can celebrate another woman. Because in the world that we're a part of, in, in circles among women, it's often the undercurrent is if I downtread you, if I step on you, I will somehow feel bigger. If I point out your weaknesses, your failings, your inadequacies, I will somehow feel better. 
we are supposed to recognize and acknowledge the differences that God has placed in each and every one of us. We're supposed to point it out and pull it out. We're supposed to say, I love that you do that and then bring it like he brings the stars out. We're supposed to bring stars out. We're supposed to say, I love what you're wearing. I love what you're doing. I love who you are. We're supposed to suck it out of the women around us. We're supposed to celebrate, cheer, clap. Not a moment thinking, well, why can't I do something like that? Why didn't someone pick me? We're supposed to honour and lift up one another. And we're supposed to be more women because we stand next to each other. But more than that, the men are supposed to be more because we stand next to each other. For women's rights or women's ability to stand up, that doesn't mean that they have to sit down. That means that we all stand up together. That means that we all stand alongside each other. That means that we honour the men around us. That means that we speak life and encouragement because we're all supposed to stand up and see descendants. It's the only way. One can't say to the other, well, I'm going to do it without you. What is required is something from man and something from woman in order to have descendants. What God requires of us is that we stand alongside each other, cheering one another on and being more than because we stand next to each other. So I feel like there's healing for some of the women in the room. Some of you are feeling useless. And when I prepped this, I felt that in an overwhelming, almost heavy, where you are literally, that is a word you use over yourself at the moment, just useless Some of you are feeling not wanted, like if you were to disappear, people would either be relieved or they wouldn't notice. And I think God just wants to get in on that. Some of you are really struggling with jealousy. So you spend far too much time on Facebook and believe the lies that people tell on it. And I say lies because I've got to be honest, a lot of Facebook is full of lies. A lot of Facebook is full of pictures and glimpses of my life that are not actually true. The photo's true, the phrasing is true, but it's not the whole truth. So I might have a lovely family day out where all hell breaks loose, but the photo that I post on Facebook is us having a picnic, smiling at each other like we're out of a Famous Five novel. Because who wants to see a picture of my kids screaming at me or my husband? um, What what would you do? Um, Not really wanting to join in on the family screaming match. So, you know, Facebook lies all the time. Some of you have got jealousy issues because you just look at things and think, I want that, I want that, where instead of looking at what God has given you and thinking, man, this is pretty awesome. And then some, you're just living with comparison. You're just comparing yourself all the time and it's, it's exhausting. For some of you, you're just so tired. You're just like, you're just comparing yourself all the time. It is a killer for women an absolute killer. If you don't face it, deal with it, and put it to death, it will strip you and rob you of everything that is unique and different about you. It's the whole thing that God loves to celebrate about you is that you're different, and we spend all our lives trying to be the same. God hates bland. Bland is boring. The same is boring. Just look around. The fact that we're all different means that God did this. And when we 
compare ourselves and want ourselves to be the same, we become bland and boring instead of different, unique and amazing. So I want to encourage you women to face some of these things head on and say, no, not on my watch. Not on my watch will I feel useless, unwanted, jealous or compare myself to the women around me. I will be me. And I will stand next to the people God has put me next to. And I will see descendants that number more than all the stars in the sky. Amen. I'm going to ask us to stand. And we're going to worship our beautiful God. And we're going to believe him for amazing things. Amen. And not because we're super special, but because he is super amazing.